You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's guest is Coyle Jurley. He's someone I've known for a few years, and finally we're seeing the release of his solo album, Love Kills. Coyle's been part of New York City's music scene for a long time, and over the last few years, he's been writing loads of songs, honing his craft, and playing a bunch of shows at Rockwood Music Hall. Within this talk, we go into his experience writing Love Kills, what he hopes the album conveys to the world, and how he's evolved as a songwriter. This is the 405 Exchange with Coyle Jurley. Enjoy. didn't figure out I didn't sort of wake up and be like okay now I'm gonna sort of do solo shows it was sort of um, we finished the show and finished at, at the last record and we actually went straight into the studio and started recording another one um, and I had written I mean we we're quite far along I'd probably written 40 songs and we had the whole board on the wall with Jesus. you know all those songs and we we're kind of working through them and um, I probably got around uh, t- sort of two months of, of doing that solidly and um, the, the sound of it was uh, shifting. It didn't feel, um, it, it, I, it, I didn't feel like inclined to write uh, a sort of band record um, as I'd done in the past and that coincided with me taking a trip to LA and working with um, a songwriter called Mac Davis, an artist and, and whatever else, you know, Mac was, who was a, is, is a legend in sort of country music in particular, um, and wrote a lot of Elvis Presley records and uh, a bunch of hits on his own and with, you know, and so I worked with him and we, uh, I just, I loved the vibe of, of writing and recording songs that were very Americana, very sort of 60s, was very much the type of music that I'd love to listen to, that I'd love to sing. Yeah. There's these big tenor sort of sad country ballads, which is my, you know, it's your jam, my it? jam. Yeah. And then, um, so you know, when I got back, I'd written a whole bunch of songs with Mac over like a couple of trips. And that was like maybe sort of 12 songs together. And then, um, and then I just sat around writing sort of down that path for a while. And then before I knew it, um, had written probably two, two or three albums worth of stuff. Um, and, and that was it. And that was like kind of where I just naturally ended up, you know, and, and, uh, and by, I guess the end of, by the end of kind of, by the beginning of sort of 2000, or the middle of 2016, um, I was like, okay, now it's time to go and figure out how to record this and how it's going to sound, and then, and that took a while as well, 
and um, that's an interesting thing to hear. Like you kind of felt like you had to figure that out kind of after the fact of writing the songs. A little bit because I was, you know, it's it's, it's very reminiscent of like Roy Orbison and you know that kind of era. And there's not really there's not really anybody else kind of doing that to the degree that that I that I decided to do it. You know that that very 60s crooner. Um, you know, now it'd be called like alt country, almost Americana sound, and um, it, it, I just had to figure out exactly how down that road I was, I was sort of gonna go. You know, how how modern as opposed to you know retro was it was it gonna feel? And that that just took a minute to figure out. You know, in recording. Yeah, but talk to me also about like the lyrical element because I think something that's very interesting about that. Uh, type of music. It's very specific in like how the person is singing. Is it comes from a perspective of being very lived in, uh -huh. very reflective of experiences in regards to that. Was that something you worried about when it came to writing lyrics on that one? No, um, I have a history of having a terrible choice in women, <laughs> and so, um, and so you I know, imagine that leads to a terrible choice in many other things. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, and uh, so there was, I have a lifetime of um, experience to draw from when it comes to that type of stuff. And so, you know, and it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heartbreak record, but it comes from a very honest place. Probably, the, you know, lyrically it's probably the most honest record I've, I've written in terms of my feels. You know, being a Brit, you can, you can hide a lot of that, a lot so, of the time. So when you say that then, do you mean to say that almost practically every lyrical component is something that harkens to an actual experience? Like there's nothing very fictitious about what you're singing about? Oh yeah, completely, yeah. How does uh, it feel being a songwriter and doing that? I mean like, I imagine that's usually the aim, but I imagine the, um, the desire to be a bit elusive always comes about. Like, do you like it when you know that it's that real? Uh, yeah, and I think I think in the past in bands I have steered away from being too open for whatever reason. It felt more uncomfortable writing emotionally open when I was kind of surrounded by my friends. But now I'm kind of on my own. I guess it feels more comfortable to just be completely honest and open lyrically. Um, and th this album, you know, it. it very much wrote itself in a lot of ways, and um, and is yeah, it definitely feels like a single thought uh, lyrically from sort of start to finish. There's very much a theme, there's undoubtedly a theme that runs through it, um, and it's it's, there, it's really therapeutic to write and sing that stuff, even though maybe I'm not in a place like that, you know. Now it's still very therapeutic on stage to just get up there and belt those sad songs and I, you know I played last Wednesday and um, and people were crying everywhere and that's that's been that's been the case every time I've played these songs live yeah but what's really interesting with what you just described I've seen you a couple times at uh, Rockwood Music Hall for people unfamiliar with you you play at Rockwood quite a lot particularly in um, is it room three the room downstairs yeah yeah the vibey one. Yeah, the vibey one. The one that you'll play like late into the night and all that. Yeah. And 
I've seen that at the times I've seen you. I've maybe seen you there three or four times, but I've seen people cry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think during that process um, of playing, I played Rockwood, I did like a residency there for uh, a few weeks, and then I did uh, a, a bunch of shows every year, and I was just basically figure, trying to figure out which songs I wanted to put on the record because I'd written so many for it. And um, uh, I was just watching which ones people cried, <laughs> cried at. I think that was like almost the, yeah, I could see, I could see that people were, were connecting to the music. And I think as a, as a writer, um, that is like the ultimate compliment to the song. Uh, and the point of music really is to pass that emotion invisibly like to the person whatever it is whether it's you know the joy of a, of a dance uh, track or the you know euphoria of a you know whatever a big Coldplay song or a, or whatever you know there is that the, the idea that something that you just sit and write moves somebody to the point where they cry is, is kind of humbling and you know um, not satisfying I don't know that's right because you don't want to make people cry but you know it, it, it showed to me that the music was connecting maybe more than anything I'd ever ever written before and, and the good thing about you know when I played at Rockwood it was just me and the acoustic so it was very sort of stripped down now the record's finished and I'm playing this record with a full band and it's you know it's all mic'd up and it's very full and loud and uh, electric and uh, yeah and the same effect so it's, it's good that it's you know the music is connected and seemingly meaning something to people who are who were there whether you know they hear their own life experiences and some of the lyrics or or you know I think there's a lot of very pretty melody in there as well so yeah. Well, I wonder, like, I, I, I am going to ask about other stuff, but I kind of want to explore this a little bit with you further. I wonder for what your perspective is as being the person who's written the songs and also performing them, where you must be aware of the fact that most people who come to see you don't know much about you or know you uh -huh. as a person, right. yet they're still connecting with your songs in that way. And I bring that up because it's interesting how almost now, more than ever, people almost feel like there's like this innate need to know so much about someone to even connect with them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I personally, I struggle with that a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I'm not somebody who particularly is all over my social media. You know, physically all over my social media. I mean, I try to post most days, but I'm not somebody who takes a lot of pictures of myself. Yeah, puts them all over social media or shows too much about my life. You know, on social media. I do like to keep my life somewhat private. Yeah, and. Um, but but yeah, I, I think uh, I think sharing the art is is definitely is definitely the point, and um, and certainly the point of writing a record is sort of univ you know as universal as heartbreak. I think most people have had that over their life, you know, once, twice, you know. So um, yeah, I mean it's it's sharing of a very uh, honest 
emotions, I guess. Yeah, I guess what I'm getting at too is like, does it feel kind of affirming to you knowing that your songs could work in that way? That you could be private and people could still connect to some of this? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, especially nowadays because I do doubt, uh, you know, sometimes whether staying as private as I do on social media is a, is a good thing because I know, you know, it, it is, and I, I always, when I ask, uh, people, fans or whatever who, who come to shows, you know, did you, is there something you wish I would do more on social media? And I was like, yeah, like post more of yourself, like do videos, talk more of it. And it's just super uncomfortable for me, for whatever I, I reason. I understand <laughs> because it's that thing where it's like, for as much as it might work, it's, it only works if it doesn't feel forced. If it feels forced, it just negates the whole thing. Right. And maybe I'll get better at it, and maybe I'll get more comfortable. Um, maybe by the time you find yourself wanting to do it, social media will matter much less, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I don't, does anyone like it? I don't know if anybody I likes don't, it. I, just, I don't think anybody likes it. Everyone's okay. like trapped at this point in this fucking Black Mirror-esque game of, <laughs> like my post of me on a beach. I know? personally hate it. I was talking to a friend about it fairly recently about how if my work wasn't so intrinsically tied to it, I think I'd be at the point in my life now where I would just get rid of everything. Yeah. But it is like a thing of work, so it's just, it's weird in that sense. Yeah, and I, I feel like everyone's trapped in for one reason or another, you know? Being some, being an immigrant who lives however many thousands of years, miles of years, miles <laughs> from home, you know, it's good for keeping the people back back home and stuff, but, um, and all the all the biz all the biz shiz is in there as well. So it's uh, you know we're all trapped. You know something I've been dying <laughs> to ask you that I've never had a chance to ask you is um, I feel like anyone who would hear your music would immediately associate your music with the nighttime. Oh okay. Yeah, and I wonder why do you think that is? With the nighttime, I don't know. Um, I he says as he wears old black. As a world black. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It is it is night. I guess it is night music. Um I don't know, I guess I am very much a night owl as a human. I don't necessarily stay up all night like I used to do, maybe, but um yeah, I don't know. I, my music kinda lives in those we hours, I suppose. It has that sort of witchy, witchy vibe to some of it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I should have a better answer for that for you, but I can't, I can't think of one. <laughs> well, it'll be something for you to think about later on. Yeah? All right. All right. Um, talk to me about Where's My Girl. I would love to hear how this one came together, specifically musically. Where's My Girl? Where's My Girl came from... That lyric came, actually, during writing the songs for the Shevin record and that was actually like the outro um, of one of them and uh, it just stuck in my head and then when I was sort of deep in this sort of vibe of, of writing this whole record um, the rest of the song just came came to me very very organically and, and wrote itself very quickly and um, yeah it was uh, yeah, I'd been messing around with it by that stage to such a degree. I had like a pretty clear uh, um, 
view of how how it was supposed to sound and where's my girl was just uh, it, I don't know you, you, sometimes you just you just don't really know where a lot of these songs came from the lyric had been knocking around I probably got a voice note of the actual moment it was written because a lot of that stuff was written just on a guitar quite late at night most of it and was um, uh, yeah just very sort of like uh, like instinctive and train of thought sort of writing um, and yeah and it, it was a lot of the the imagery and the 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 feeling in the in the music was set in this kind of time that I had created and this kind of place that I created for the the album which lived somewhere between like the reality of my head and like my, my personal experiences with um, this kind of room that I was imagining and, and some of the people and sounds and, and, and spaces in it and I think um, very sort of you know I mean it's clear sort of David Lynchy um, film noir uh, imagery throughout the, the lyrics um, that I was definitely, you know, imagining or seeing when I was writing a lot of it. Yeah, I wanted to actually ask you about that, particularly with the David Lynchy vibe, but also not just lyrically, also musically, because I think something that's interesting about the album as a whole and that track as well, is that it felt like to me that you really didn't want people to just see you as another guy for guitar. That right. people might have that idea going in, but then when they listen to the record, there's actually a lot more tones and sounds going on. Mm -hmm. Was that very important for you to have that kind of like in the like that would not attack people, but that would definitely come to the forefront of people's minds when they heard the music? Yeah, yeah, I definitely don't want to want it to come across as a guy with a guitar. I think it's it's um, you know the the a lot of the influences that I was pulling from Ennio Morricone, um, you know the sort of who who did a lot of the Wild West soundtracks, you know, a lot of those big string movements, um, and Roy Orbison, obviously, who's almost operatic, a lot of his, like, songs and movements and stuff. Um, I, I just wanted to pair this sort of, like, op almost opera with um, this sort of the cool, like, dark, lusty sort of feel of... of uh, like you know Lynch and and uh, and film noir and sort of you know the the some of the the sick the twangy darker sixties music. Yeah, and uh, my blue heart is like a near country song. I mean, you brought up Americana earlier, but I feel like that's probably the most overt element of that. I mean, I hear a song like that, and I just ask myself, how did this song even happen? Um, that was that came from listening to a bunch of country music. So that's exactly where it came from. I, I remember the I remember what I was doing, and it was I was playing country songs um, in my apartment, and I was listening to them, and I was playing them songs that I'd never heard before. I was just trying to sort of learn more about um, about that stuff, and um, yeah, literally within an hour, it was it was like done that whole thing. 
Now tell me this, because I've noticed this over the years. I particularly remember like a couple years ago being with um, the Wombats in like somewhere in Tennessee. It was like, maybe it was like Memphis. It was from mm-hmm. Memphis. I remember they did a show and there was like uh, a small venue that also was like a bar after the show. Uh-huh. And uh, country music started playing and they all got immediately enthused and were like kind of singing along and it was like a big vibe. Huh. And over the years I've noticed that with like British people when they hear country music. What do you think that is? Like, what do you attribute that to in regards to you? Like, what it pulled you to it? Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, for me personally, my I grew up with Americana. You know, my my dad played a lot of Americana in the house when I was growing up, um, and so you know, I, not so much straight country, but um, you know, Johnny Cash. For sure, I, I think maybe a lot of it in terms of the English and the the British is is uh, it's very folky and folk music is very of the Isles. I feel like um, you know the sort of the Celtic sort of folk yeah. um, that is kind of in in our blood over there. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's that, and, and, or maybe it's just because we just don't hear it very as often in England. You know, you don't really hear very much country music so maybe it's just the novelty of like you know sing, throwing the cowboy boots on and having a good you know hoedown or whatever it's called well tell me this even after all this time does it innately sound foreign to you when you hear it? It's a, yeah it's American yeah. It's, it's like country music is something that is is, is very very American um, and I think culturally it's probably the most American you know Certainly, throwback, not modern, but you know, you talk about the 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 sixties. It's rock and roll crossed to the UK, and we ate it and we spat it back out as like what you know, with the Beatles and the Stones and the Led and Led Zeppelin, or whatever. I don't think we could we ever were able to do country music like the, like the, you know in the sixties, yeah. uh, and um, I think that's changed obviously with a bunch of bands now. Um, um, but you wouldn't even call that country that anymore. It's kind of like alt folk, or it's yeah. what is Americana, or you know. Yeah. You know, I know along with making your album, you also found yourself writing uh, with other artists for their projects, and I've never had a chance to ask you this either because I haven't seen you in such a long time. But you know, tell me this: How do you feel those experiences have changed you as a writer? Because you're always evolving as a writer. Uh, yeah, they do all the time. I mean, I've been I've been lucky to write with. Um, some some amazing people. Uh, I, I think um, th- you know, the, like I said, working with Mac Davis was definitely uh, was definitely a big moment writing wise. Uh, he's he's probably the the best songwriter I've ever written with in terms of just you know bl- blatant talent. You know, within the room and. Um, he it was the effortlessness of this of the writing that sort of reinforced my in- instinct in writing, which is always to try and never really think about it. Um, and and the same when I worked with Linda Perry, it was it was you know she's she's the same. You know we'd pick up two guitars, the first thing that came into our heads would merge into a song, and then we were done with it. And that was kind of every time I've, I've worked with Linda it's been the same. I'd say Mac and Linda are probably the two 
technically best songwriters I've ever worked with, and they're both the most effortless to work with, and and that's that's kind of how how I, how I like to write as well. I think if you overthink something, um, I think half the battle is is removing yourself from the process, um, not thinking about it, just allowing whatever is going to come out to come out, and then that's that's it, you know. Yeah. And I think that's that's probably the thing I learned the most. Um, and then you know you always pick up little things from various people and artists you work with, whether it's you know the way they um, prepare for for sessions. A lot of people come with like little lyrics, but lyric books full of ideas and stuff, which I think is is helpful. Some people come with nothing. Some people have you know. Um, mood boards and stuff you know there's 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 been little things that people different people have done over the over the years which has definitely influenced and and, and made writing easier i would say songwriting is relatively easy for me at this point um and when it isn't it's probably because i'm either trying to do something i should be doing <laughs> or um or the song just isn't isn't good you know yeah well, tell me this, your album coming out is called Love Kills, and I know you've been working on it for a while, and I can't help but wonder, because you kind of alluded to it earlier when you said you have a very interesting history with women. Uh -huh. I wonder, like, when you hear a title like that, it just makes anyone think, was this album, and it, it, I found myself thinking this in regards to the songs too, and I listened to them. What are the series of events that led to you finally putting these songs together? Like, when you listen back to these songs, do you feel like there's a concurrent series of event or events that this, that connect the songs together, especially with a title like that. Um, I think I uh, yeah. I think I, I mean I think I'm I'm definitely someone who um, you know I lo I love the romance of of. Uh, of love and, and and you know relationships and stuff um though you know being english maybe i'm a little colder at it than maybe americans would but i do you know and i think i think um it was it was me writing a romantic record from um the uh from the from the place of all the heartbreak combined, I, I just I wanted to write this very honest heartbreak record, and um, Love Kills was uh, a, a title that I saw somewhere, or I had seen written on a bathroom wall or something. It, it had been written in my phone for a while. And um, and as a title, it just seemed to sum up the whole the whole record pretty pretty seamlessly. And then when I wrote the song of Kills, which was another one that kind of wrote itself in a very short space of time one day, um, that was the the sort of the cornerstone of the of the sound and the the, the record. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. You yeah. know, one of my favorite things that, one of my favorite questions that I've uh, grown to love asking people whenever they're on this show, and it's interesting because I don't like the idea of having a very, uh, s like, a set 
idea of what to ask, but uh-huh. I do find this question tends to be very relevant no matter who I'm talking to, is that a lot of times with songs, inadvertently you as a musician, you're finding yourself talking to somebody. Right. And I find myself wondering, when you look back on these songs, who do you think it is you're talking to? Um, a bunch of people. <laughs> a few people. Not just yourself then, because there Not is that vibe within some of the songs that you're talking to yourself, or trying to. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to the listener, I guess. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and a few ghosts as well. The people from the situations. <laughs> a few ghosts, yeah. Before I let you run out of here, I want to know, like, because, you know, what's so interesting about New York City and the fact that, I mean, I told you how I've been to multiple Rockwood shows and I would see a lot of the same people there. Uh-huh. And obviously it's like people, I imagine, some who know you or some who are fans of yours. I wonder, like, what do you think will surprise people who are familiar with you the most about this album? And who do you, whose reaction are you very keen on seeing? So it's almost like a bit of a two-part, I don't know. Um, the sound. The sound is definitely um, the thing that I took the biggest like, risk, but um, I remember, I remember uh, around the time Bowie died, reading reading a lot about, you know, just reading a lot about him. I've always been a big fan of, of Bowie, obviously. Anyway, but there's one quote which which stuck with me, which was um, something along the lines of, you know, the point where uh, your your foot is. I can't remember the exact phrase, but slightly too deep in the water where you feel slightly too far out of your comfort zone and you're 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 slightly terrified is the moment that you you know the the place where you create your best work um and I kind of kept that sort of um philosophy with this uh, especially creating a sound which is pretty different from anything I've ever done before. Um, it's very Americana, it's very Roy Orbison in places. Um, it's very different to what the vast majority of people are doing right now. It's very different from what the, the uh, from anything I've ever done before in the past. So I think the thing that will probably surprise people most is the sound of the record. Um, to me, it's it's the sound I kind of always wanted to make. That was maybe never brave enough to try it um, until now. And and I think you know I think it's I feel uh, confident that it will maybe take people a minute to, to sit with the record to maybe appreciate it um, fully and um, made. Partly because of the way people consume music nowadays, you know, I really do think this is a record that I hope people listen to as an album rather than just sort of dip around songs because it's it's better served listened to as a whole than than it is on its you know picking and, and choosing. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm I'm excited to sort of hear how it connects to people. Um, sonically, it's different. Lyrically, it's more more honest, and I think, uh, yeah, somewhere in there, it's this was made the process terrifying slash 
more satisfying than, than any record I've, I've written before, I think. Yeah, before we sign off, is there anyone you really want to make sure that they hear it, or anyone you're keen to hear it? Um, I mean, as many as many people as possible. You know, I think... You know what I'm getting, though, someone specifically. Not like an ex or something like that, but just like, is there anyone... Oh, really? musically? Yeah. Or is like someone in your life, like someone that you're interested to see what their reaction is going to be? Um, yeah, my, I mean, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have worked with so many people over the years in, in music. And I think, um, I'm very, uh, curious to see what people think of a record that has been made, you know, to, to satisfy many personal urges. But I think, um, I think, you know, in terms of, I, I really want to see how it's accepted in in the sort of Nash, Nashville and Americana world that, you know, being a Brit and living in New York, I don't feel part of right now, but I, I do hope that this record um, finds its way into that world and it's something that people who, you know, maybe grew up um, more in that scene appreciate as a as a record. Um, I'm constantly trying to tell people it's not an alternative record. It's Amer it's Americana. It's like you know even even finding genres on online. You know I don't when I'm sort of putting it into the different things. It's like it, it's folk Americana more than it is indie alternative. And I've never lived in that world before. So I do. Yeah, I hope it. Um, yeah, I hope it finds its place, kind of, in there. I hope so too, man. Yeah. It's been good catching up with you. Me too. Calling to you, baby. This record.